For a little backstory, I had been out of state for several months dealing with the loss of my 17-year-old daughter. I was still struggling, but decided to go back to Fredericksburg, Virginia, where I had found a great job. My boyfriend and I found a roommate situation in a townhouse near the Fredericksburg battlefield. I remember very clearly stepping into the house the first time and had an overwhelming sense of welcome. I looked around the living room and specifically at a spot near the ceiling that just seemed, for lack of a better term, occupied. It was almost as if I could hear a voice in my head saying, hi, it was childlike and impish. At that time, I really needed some positivity in my life. I had a new stressful job. My father back home in Michigan was dealing with some serious health issues and I was starting over with no car, very little money, and no social support other than my boyfriend, who was a champ. As the time went by, the feeling I had from our silent roommate became more and more friendly. I would be looking for my house key on my way out the door, and just when I was about to give up finding it, it would literally turn up right behind me, hanging on a hook, sitting next to the phone, on the kitchen counter, places I had looked before, but there they were. Our other roommates, however, did not have the same experience. One in particular was standing in front of an open refrigerator when a shelf in the door exploded, dropping condiments and drinks all over the floor. He and another roommate mentioned that their beer always seemed to be flat after sitting in the fridge overnight. Another roommate told me that on a couple of occasions when he was in the house alone, the bathroom light would shut off on him while he was in the shower. It was never like that for me. And honestly, the worst of the things that happened all seemed pretty much more mild poltergeist and less, oh my God, scary. So keeping in mind that our little puka seemed to like me, let me tell you the crazy thing that happened. It was early in the afternoon and I was getting ready for work. I worked an evening shift and other than my boyfriend, no one else was home. He was in our bedroom, to the right of the bathroom, with the door shut. I was in the bathroom, with the door open. To the left of the door, at a right angle, was a bedroom door. To the left of that door was the top of the stairs going down into the living room. At the foot of the stairs was the front door that did have a small window. There were two trees growing outside, and the sun was directly above and slightly behind the back of the house. The blow dryer was loud, and I was lost in thought when suddenly I hear as if there were an actual voice in my head, a kid's voice say, I see you. Instinctively, I turned my head toward the top of the stairs where I felt the voice was coming from. It was only there for an instant. It is extremely difficult to explain what I saw, but I will do my best. As I turned my head, an amorphous shape hesitated at the top of the stairs and then quickly moved down them. It was as if shadow was given substance. It had just the hint of tendrils moving behind it, somewhat like ink and water, and I could see through them. Although I could not see through most of, well, whatever it was. As it slipped away, I could practically feel it giggling. I stood there stunned for a good few seconds, or minutes, I have no idea. Then I turned the blow dryer off and walked down the staircase. I looked to see if there were any shadows coming through the door. 
I waved my hand in front of the door to try to recreate the thing. Nothing fit. But I think I knew it wouldn't. I have had some chilling encounters throughout my life. This is just something that happens in my family, on both my mother's and father's sides. But this was different. It didn't feel like a ghost. There was legitimately nothing scary about it, and in fact, it was quite charming in its childlike way. It did not feel human at all, but it didn't feel evil or even good, to be honest. It just was what it was. I have no idea what it was, but it just was. We didn't stay there long, unfortunately. My father's health took a turn for the worst, and trying to restart so far from home after losing my daughter was just too much, and we had to leave. It was honestly a bit like saying goodbye to a friend. I still did not feel any ill will from this little entity, but it did feel a bit sad when I left. Even now, I look back on that time with such sorrow. My daughter's death, my father's failing health, and the isolation from friends and family who cared about me but could not help me where I was. And there are two shining lights in that time. My best boyfriend ever, who loved and supported me without hesitation, and that strange little beastie in Fredericksburg, Virginia, who just wanted to help me and play hide-and-go-seek. The skeptic in me knows this could have legitimately been a stress-induced hallucination, but the part of me that wants to believe chooses to think I had a little elvish friend. Hi, I'm Jamie Markey. And I'm Michael Tatum. And this is Ghoul Intention. We're back. We're back. We're back after a little... We had a little week break. We needed it. Oh. It was a week week break, but we Lord, had it. Lord, did we need it. Nothing going on, specifically. No, we were just, you know, yeah. we, were, we were enjoying having nothing to do, and we thought, let's just keep doing it. Yeah, it's just... <laughs> Puppies and children and children. Puppies and um, children and children and life and all <laughs> life the things. And Oof, God. The pursuit of happiness. Um, <laughs> liberty, things of this nature. <laughs> Truth. Truth. Justice, even, some would say. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, week before last, I guess, yeah. we did the Archer Avenue. Mm -hmm. And that was the first in this series. And you tantalizingly alluded to. I tantalizingly teased you of more you tantalized of terror. Of terror about Resurrection Mary. Resurrection Mary, that's yeah. right. Because I knew this was going to be a big story. And it is a big story. Um, of course, we know that Resurrection Mary is a vanishing hitchhiker. If you didn't yes. know that, then you yes. don't know a vanishing hitchhiker. She is the yeah, ultimate. She's, like, she's pretty much the... She's yeah. like the she's best. Like the she's like the Beethoven. Yeah, of like if you don't vanish as a hitchhiker, like Resurrection Mary, then like why are you even fucking doing it? Is, it, is her name Regina? Is, <laughs> like, <laughs> is she like one of the plastics? Like, like if you, if you don't wear known white on <laughs> the let the let on Wednesdays we wear white. <laughs> <laughs> on hitchhiker days we wear white. Um, on bitch cemetery days we wear white. <laughs> So we're calling this episode uh, The Lady Vanishes. Oh. Right? I thought was good. Yeah, it's a, it's I an, it's literally a... didn't know. And I was like, oh, fuck, we don't have a title. So thank you. Yeah. I, 
I just pulled that out of my ass. It's a uh, it's an Orson Welles movie uh, from from uh, a while back, and it's it's you know it's a mystery noir, but it's I felt it was good. The lady vanishes because I was inspired to talk about since Resurrection Mary yeah. is like the ultimate phantom hitchhiker story, right. at least for the United she States. She is probably yeah the most well known yeah. vanishing hitchhiker in the United yeah. States, and one of the most well known in the world. I, yeah, easily. Yeah. And so I thought, well, I wanted to kind of talk about the vanish, the vanishing hitchhiker trope, um, as as just an as a storytelling, uh, you know, formula that's been around for a long time for eons. For eons, and to touch on some pro- possibly lesser known examples mm-hmm. that kind of take advantage of the formula and kind right. of put a little uh, some some spin on it. So yeah, so yay! I'm yeah, excited. So you want to start with the. You want to warm us up with some vanishing hitchhikers slurping in your drink and chomping your ice. This is for you, Matt. (laughs) (laughs) Matt's our engineer and I love him. He puts up with all of Michael's shit. (laughs) He puts up with, you don't have any shit to put up with, but (laughs) I'm a lady. (laughs) You are a lady. (laughs) I just want to be. Oh, no, you don't. I want to be, I want to be as classy as a lady. But I don't. <laughs> well, so do I. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> so you're starting I, with, I want to start with. I just that? there's something about I want to just like just open it up with kind of a question. What is it? What is it about? I, w- I want to get your hot take on this, Jamie. What is? Well, cheers first. What? Oh, you cheers. You may have heard we've we've been we've started. Yeah. We started yeah. with. Well, I had a, a half a bottle of champagne that had to be finished, mm. and then now we've moved on to. To the um, it's Friday, motherfuckers. Well, you're having for us. that's right. It is Friday for us right now. It's Monday for you, motherfuckers. We're drinking for you. Um, <laughs> so, Monday moonshine. That's right. I am having a Moscow mule, and you are having Kentucky a mule. Kentu- no, it's Kentu- oh Irish mule. Irish, Irish mule. Because it's Jameson, right? I side. mean, technically, I feel like I'm having a Texas mule because Tito's Texas, is a yeah. Texas vodka. A mule is a mule is a mule. It's whatever you want. We're having mules. Cheers, mule. Cheers, mule. Terrible clink. It's very rewarding. It's, okay. I love that. It just sounds like, it sounds like treasure. It, it is tre- <laughs> treasure. We found treasure. Mm. Gross. When's um, the last time, Jamie, you've taken a road trip? Like, pretty recently. Yeah, we go um, to get the girls pre-regularly. I mm-hmm. missed the last one because I was at a convention. Right. But we usually, we take that I-20 drive woo, to Mississippi. I'm trying to think of the last time. I took a road trip a few weeks ago to Austin, which is nothing. It's like just a little four hour. We went to Houston together. That's true. And that was kind of harrowing because we drove through a pretty really spectacular storm. storm yeah. That was like, it was so bad. The rain was so bad that we passed by the Sam, the Sam, the infamous Sam's Houston, Houston statue. Yeah. And didn't see uh, it. And didn't see it. it which of course train. you may have been struck by lightning and brought to life and was, you know, fucking Stomping shit up around. in a field somewhere. Yeah. Uh, that's in my movie. But... <laughs> Stranger Things for <laughs> Sam Houston mad. Oh. <laughs> for those of you that don't know, in route from Dallas to Houston, there's uh, at some point you you come it's on 45. You, yeah, it's on 45. You pass by Sam Houston University, and there's a big statue of Sam Houston. That's just it looks bigger than than I'm sure it actually is. Right. But uh, because it's just it's there's nothing around it to compare to but trees. It's just yeah. kind of. You, but it's a landmark. You know you're getting into yes. Houston. When yeah, you, when and you it's just that. a stark, like white alabaster, like almost mm-hmm. like it almost glows. It's so white. Yeah. Um. I don't know how to keep it white. 
yeah, I don't know. They must, I don't know. It's so hard to keep clean, but they must have, it's someone, someone's job. There's a whole industry around yeah. just keeping him clean. I like to believe that there's just a whole bunch of people there with Mr. Clean little white pads just rubbing it. Constantly. Constantly. Or the little scrubby bubbles. Do you remember those mm, from like the mm-hmm. 80s? The little scrubby bubbles? Little animated bubbles that would scrubby clean your bathtub? Bubbles, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyway, anyway, but you you can, you'll go, you'll be going down 45 uh, on the way uh, to Houston from Dallas and you just kind of turn a corner and boom, there he is. He's like there. he, he like He's comes out startling. from the trees. It's it's almost like a jump scare. If you're not ready for it, it's suddenly you're, there's just this giant statue, which you did not see coming. And if you don't know it's Sam Houston. 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 Then you're like, what the fuck is that giant man doing yeah. right now? Yeah, and he's and he's he's, he's tall. Standing. He's wearing his frock coat and his cane and and all this. And he's he just very and, fancy. He, and he, like he's very he's very stoic looking. Yeah, like he's not amused at the traffic. But no. we were but and it's, were it's hard to it's impossible to miss unless you're driving through a really harrowing yeah. storm. We were. I was trying to see the lines on the road, which was, it was a challenge. Because <laughs> there was also was the car up. in front of us. They kept like slamming on their brakes for whatever reason. I was like, I got to stay behind them for their brake happy shit. <laughs> Eventually, I just got over. I was like, fuck them. I'm going to get over. Let yeah. somebody else deal with that. Um, but driving into the storm was really cool before we got there because it was the best lightning show ever. That it was, was gorgeous, amazing. and yeah. I love a good lightning show. I do too. So what's what's so, anyway. so not not counting that? What's the scariest road trip you can remember ever having taken? Um, Either as as the one driving or as a kid in the passenger seat. There was once I was with my parents and Jean Luc, my brother. Uh, we were coming back from Vegas, I think, and oh. we blew two tires. Like somebody threw something from their car. Like their car had thrown a piece of it. Off. Oh wow. Um, maybe a truck or something. So like and we over ran over it, it and it blew two of our tires. Oh, God. And um, I think there was a problem with, oh no, this was before phones were pretty common and there wasn't a signal. Oh. And we were just stuck on the side oh. of the road. In the middle of nowhere. In the middle of nowhere. Was it the desert? Yeah. Oh God, that's yeah. terrifying. Yeah, that was pretty scary. Um, and we ended up having somebody come help us. I think uh, they called, I think the... Uh, truck had called the police to help us because it was like what, what are we gonna do we're just gonna be stuck here right um and then we ended up i think we went to back, back to vegas for another night we were like woo but uh, <laughs> so not that, all it, was bad. Great. it wasn't all bad um the other one that was pretty scary was also in new mexico or i don't think yeah we weren't in new mexico it was in the desert so we were in i was in new mexico and i was driving up from las cruces to denver mm-hmm and it's I was, a beautiful drive. It's a beautiful drive. Um, and, but once you get into the mountains, it's just, it's a total change too. Yeah. Uh, but I would lose signal in the oh, desert. So terrifying. And so it's like, I just know I've got to keep going on this road for forever. And you would go like, you wouldn't see anybody. I'd be like, I guess I'm just going to race this train. That's the only, only other thing I've seen in 20 <laughs> minutes because there was yeah. nothing out there. And then, um, it was a major highway too. And then I get to the mountains and there were a lot of trucks having issues with the mountains Oof. up and down and like trying to stay out of their way was, oh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. That's terrifying. Yeah. yeah. I, all, I've, I've had, I've gone on my share of road trips and most of them were pretty standard i don't remember much i remember as yeah, a kid normally though, fine. it wasn't really a road trip but for us it was it was a jaunt into dallas from where i grew up which is about an hour away and um we were gonna go see the circus mm. and we got lost as fuck coming back 
so lost and there i think were I, you chased was, by a ghost vehicle in this story as well i was not oh. <laughs> <laughs> i not that i remember i just remember i was really little i mean i barely remember even the circus what stands out about that night is the fact that we were so lost coming back that i just and my parents were freaking out and and fighting with each other about like who got them lost and whatever and this is of course well before phones and they still right, had to fold yeah. out maps Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, things like that. And they were trying to find it. And of course, it's like a man and a woman driving together. And, the, the you know, the, the the man won't take directions or stop and ask anyone for directions because I don't know why. Like, I guess he has to chop his dick off. I guess, like, that's the only way a man right, can get yeah. directions. Like, you don't understand what it costs me. Um, <laughs> and, and my mother is like, turn here. We'll go here. No, no, whatever. So we just were getting more and more lost. And I just got it in my head that we were never going to make it home. That right. we were, I was, I was, as a little kid, I was probably eight or nine. And I'm like in my head forming a plan of how we're going to live in our car. Yeah. Because <laughs> I thought that's just what we're going to do. And it was so rain. The weather was awful. And I was terrified that we were going to get, you know, get hit a flood or a tornado or something. So that was my first experience in a long car ride. Right. That was longer than just like to the store or something. And it was terrifying. So mm -hmm. it kind of affected me. Right. <laughs> for I the bet. longest time. Yeah. And I didn't, I didn't go on road trips. Until, you know, well into my 20s. Yeah. Because I was just like, no, whatever. And I've, I've done the desert drive. Yeah. Um, we did. We drove kind of all the time through. when I was a kid. Like every vacation we mm -hmm. went to. We never flew. We always drove. Yeah. We, tended, we never flew way. either. We, we, did, we, did take, we took a road trip uh, to Disney World. We did too. And it was like a three-day drive. And that yep. was hell. That wasn't scary, but that was hell on earth. My yeah, brother got man. strep throat. We Ugh. all fought all the time. Well, and it was before you had a fucking tablet to look at. It was nothing. It was nothing. I had coloring window. books. And I look out the window. After a while, I'm like, great, more fields. That's great. Yeah, well, oh, and it cool. Was Another me, Denny's. For me, it was, okay, coloring books and books and whatnot, but I cannot... I get motion sickness. Oh, I can't same. look at anything. So it's like, there's a tree. Fucking, there's another tree. Great. Look, more trees. So we played all the games, you know, like <laughs> the license plates and yada, yada, yada. Oh, but yeah. man. It makes me think of the scene from the Val Kilmer movie, Top Secret, where he's like, he's on a train and he's like looking out the window at the greenery and he's like trying to paint it. And when the guy looks at the painting, it's just a blur of green. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a funny movie. But anyway, like. um, so I just I, so the reason I bring that up is because I think the the phantom hitchhiker trope, which has been around for a long, long time, it's it's one of it's probably it's one of the oldest story formulas that that is still used that mm -hmm. still comes up a lot. Why it's biblical? It is. It mm -hmm. is. In fact, we'll touch into that. So oh, okay. I want to talk a little bit about. Um, because I'm fascinated with like how a story that's so well-worn can still have such currency. And I think it says a lot about the culture and about any culture that the story forms in. Like the story tends to be kind of the details are fleshed out by specific, by specific cultural expectations in a given time and place. Mm -hmm. And so that it reveals a little bit about like, you know, like say the idea of that culture's you know, notion of where a woman's place is right. or what a man is supposed to do in a situation like this or, or, you know, but specifically, um, always well, the villain about the changes around, right? Yeah. 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 Um, well, why does there have to be a villain? Well, cause it's a story. Oh. There has to be an antagonist, even if it's just nature. Um, so, uh, I got a lot of, I got a really good, uh, a lot of this information comes from, um, there's one specific story I'm going to get into, which comes, a lot of the information came from a website called North Carolina Ghosts, which is a really fun little website about all their famous haunts. Oh, yeah, one of is which a is, a, is a pretty famous phantom hitchhiker trope. But Dallas has its own. Yes. Uh, the, the, the Lady of White Rock Lady Lake. Lady of White Rock Lake. Which has been around at least since the 20s. And that's the one that is the, 
it originated the water inspired ones for the U.S., didn't it? Like the ones where I don't it know was that it originated one. ones. I no one can really find where the original was because there's European versions of the water one right. that go back to like the 1600s. Right, that's true too. So who knows? But uh, but I, I not to spoiler alert. Uh, the Lady of White Rock Lake isn't real. There's there's zero evidence that I've been able to find to suggest mm-hmm. that that even the basic story was true about the girl that died in Iraq, or because there's so many variants, you right. know. But and and there's no. There's no direct eyewitnesses surviving that said they have it. It's always a story of a story of a story that someone right. heard. That said. That said. I have a friend who was with his brother. They were hanging out by the lake. And this is how every story starts. I love it. They it's love it. It's, um, such a, it's such a great intro. Yeah. They, uh, I believe, were just getting stoned by the lake. Um, As you do. Right. But again, marijuana does not make you hallucinate. No. They noticed a woman wearing a long white gown walking towards them. And she looked as though she was wet. And they said, fuck that bitch. <laughs> and they drove away. <laughs> they got out of there. Well, and, you know, maybe maybe there's something to it. But you also have to think, you know, just being the skeptic here, like, you also have to think, like, when, when a place gets kind of known right. for a particular type of ghost, man, that's how, then that's how teenagers are going to have fun. Like my friend that dressed up in white to haunt the cemetery. True. You know, that, that right. was just a thing because it was total bullshit. That story has also, never existed. It was, it was at night. And, um, you know, White Rock during the day is a pretty place safe place to run around but you don't necessarily want to be there by yourself at night well because it's not very well lit no and that's part of it is they could yeah. see her in the dark well she's wearing white she was she was she's dressed, from she, she dressed to be seen I um, dressed up as her for Halloween one year was it you uh, it wasn't me. <laughs> this is how these stories get currency. Like, it wasn't me. I saw it, I saw it at a party. I it was just someone dressed as her. I'm not going to walk by a fucking lake in the middle of the night. That's true. <laughs> or are you just saying that? <laughs> Fuck walking by a lake in the middle of the night. <laughs> You're I just so anti so many things. At um, night, yes, so, I am. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of this information also comes from a book called The Vanishing Hitchhiker, which I highly recommend. It's by a guy, it's a, by a folklorist named Professor uh, uh, Jean-Harold Brunvand. Someone to combine um, that with Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy so it can be the, the vanishing Hitchhiker's Guide, Guide to the, the galaxy. galaxy. You should see the variants of the story on Jupiter. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the Lady of the Red Storm. That Oh, God, I want to read that oh now. Oh, my God, you just turned um, full nerd. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because talking about this stuff isn't already nerdy enough. Look, it's nerdy in a um, different way, not is, science. <laughs> So he, uh, this professor, uh, Harold, uh, Jan Harold, whatever, he he recorded multiple variants of the story and like noted just to give you an idea of how prevalent this 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 trope is, especially here in the U.S. That there were at least eleven different versions of the story circulating just in North Carolina alone in Ooh, the '60s, yeah, uh, when cars and interstate interstates were becoming. Uh, when, when society was finally kind of acclimating to the idea of being able mm-hmm. to travel interstate without, you know, taking days. Right. Um, so the Phantom Hitchhiker stories have a long history and they seem to date uh, way back, even before the automobile. We tend to think that it happened, that it's kind of part and parcel with cars, but it's not. It actually goes back to uh, people just walking on the road on foot and seeing travelers on, you know, phantom travelers 
walking on foot, uh, or they'll hitch right onto buggies, carriages, or just sometimes the back of a horse. Like, like those, yeah, come back. that's the 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 horses that are seen near Archer mm-hmm. Road in Chicago. So exactly. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You touched not on that. Not quite the same, but they see people on a horse. Not yeah. It's the ghost. The ghost. The the story tends to adapt to whatever mode of transportation is the most common. Right. And uh, but I think a lot of it has to so it, mysterious passengers. Uh, they're, they're kind of called mysterious passengers. Like it's a it's a trope that goes back as far at least as far as the Bible, because Jesus is one of them. Like there yeah. are stories of Jesus being seen on the road as a Jesus phantom. Uh, was other like Catholic the saints. OG. He's the OG managing hitchhiker. <laughs> when it's true, he was he walking was, with two. Um, they, were they? They weren't apostles. They were. Uh, no, I think. Well, they, fuck, they might have been. I can't it. remember. I don't think I'm they were. He was. He was walking with them, and it was only after he vanished from their sight that they realized he was Jesus. So they didn't know him well enough to know that he was Jesus. Right. It was only after he disappeared right. that they were like, oh, fuck, that's God. And that's, Probably and not that's, in those words. They're like, Jesus Christ. Christ. <laughs> <laughs> that's the first like, and only truly and then, applicable use of that phrase. Right. Then they, then Jesus pops back in and he goes, ah, ah, ah. And then he pops back in. So, but there are variants of the story where it's, it's often a young lady in distress, but mm-hmm. it's uh, when it's not her, it's it's either it's sometimes a Catholic saint. It's often a Catholic saint. Right. Saint Anthony is a frequent because he's the the uh, the, the uh, patron saint of travelers. No, yeah. it's Saint Christopher. Yeah. Um, it's often Saint Christopher or Saint Anthony. Um, a lot of that it's happens also, around. Um, from what I've heard, from um, disasters. Trauma, bad. We'll get into that because oh, there's okay. a kind of a modern example in the '80s that happened around Mount St. Helens, um, where this this trope came back to kind of foretell disaster. But we'll get into that. I'm not okay. even really getting into the formula. Okay, the, I'm the sorry. Stri- I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No, sorry. I'm just. I'm just. I'm getting kind of sidetracked. We're really excited it's about like this a road episode, trip. you guys. <laughs> um, it's like a road trip, and we could just keep finding. We just keep having to pee. Um, <laughs> but there are there are variants of of the kind of mystery, the the mysterious. Uh, uh, vanishing hitchhiker or, or traveler it's usually it's it's sometimes a catholic saint sometimes it's a uh, it's a it's a wandering uh, nephite which is a mormon concept or um in in yiddish versions of the story that come from europe it's often the considered the prophet elijah okay so you know the trope is kind of a it's an archetype that can be applied to whatever belief system happens to be your your jam and the details vary from story to story and culture to culture, but the theme of someone stopping to help a mysterious figure who then disappears before reaching their destination is always kind of the main central theme. And we mistakenly assume the idea started with the advent of the automobile, but really it's been with us since uh, pretty much as long as human beings have traveled from point A to point B, whether by car, carriage, horse, or on foot. Um, incidentally, did you know that in the early days of the automobile, just to kind of acclimate people to the idea of horseless carriages, which was they were called back then. Mm-hmm. Um, they Some makers of these auto, the, these horseless carriages that were steam-powered uh, affixed brass horse heads to the front just to kind of, you know, hey, this is just to, not to make people think that it was being pulled by horses. like they, right. But it was just kind of almost like it was emblematic of them, like this is, this is, it's here to, you know, the horse head here is here to remind you that this is what it's taking the place of. So you know right. that's what it is. So it's not completely alien. Right. And so there are some suggestions that these folklore, the, these, the stories of Hannah Hitchhikers are at least partially there to help that their coping mechanism that right. society will use to kind of cope with, with uh, industry and with the advent of technologies that that suddenly Change. speed life up yeah because that is why one of the reasons that the open road is such a terrifying place is because it's now so uh 
it kind of breaks apart the family unit and, and traditional societies oh, because true. you can leave. Yeah. Uh, you can get in the car and go interstate and suddenly, and it gives access, well, it it's gives like you we access about to, the Oregon to Trail, options right? that you didn't have yeah, before. Yeah, with the Oregon Trail, when people left to go on the Oregon Trail, they knew that they were never going to see their family, most likely never going to see those people again. Now you could get on the highway, drive there and drive back home. Yeah. You know, there was no, well, and also, everything. and this, they also, arguably brought upon the modern serial killer uh highways did because for yes, the first time did. it made it really really hard I'm so glad you're for talking about this. there's a whole <laughs> book someone wrote about lost highways and about mm -hmm. how you know the earliest serial killers uh of the modern era that is to say you know, post-world war ii um were so hard to catch and were able yeah. to get along they away with it because are. they they still are because of highways um but in the early days there was just no connection for people to realize oh that someone that died in north carolina by being murdered was killed by someone the same person that killed someone in texas just right. a few days later because now they had a way to get there yeah. um and no and no central authority uh body of authority to to put it all well, together and, and it, until with a train later. you know that's easier yes. to track because yeah. it would be near the train tracks so yeah, yeah with Freud a, writes about that a lot in his little essay called Civilization and Its Discontents and about like the more technologically advanced we become, the more fragmented our society becomes because it, it breaks up the kind of central tribal mentality, yeah, uh, which is good and bad. Uh, I guess it's, it's a technology is neither good nor evil. It tends to just amplify our natural tendencies, I right, think. Yeah. But, you know, it, it's, um, man, if anyone's ever had a parent go, oh, you never call, you never write. It's like, ooh, <laughs> imagine living in another state, which was not possible for most of our existence. Yeah. It was not possible to live and still communicate with your family. Mm -hmm. uh, I mean, in Texas, you couldn't have communicated. If they lived in Houston and you lived in Dallas, it was a whole other world. Yeah. You could write letters and, and people I mean, let's do that. Not be, but it, it is a whole other world. It is a whole other world. Um, but I'll also just say that Rose, because of the kind of threat want, they that's represented. That's not snobby to Houston. No, it's not. I'm it's just, just Dallas weather. and Houston are very. <laughs> I was just thinking it's weather. much more humid. In, it's in so Houston. humid there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's all, it's all, I'm just talking about humidity. That's it. But so uh, all of which is to say that Rhodes. Uh, were have long been thought to be exciting but very dangerous places. Right, that's mysterious. Um, yeah, because it's to set out on a journey was to basically leave the safety of the group, uh, your family, the village, whatever, and subject yourself to the hazards particular to travel, which like the threat of thieves, you know, highwaymen uh, who were. I mean, if you were marauded or or mugged on the road, what would what could you do? Fucking nothing. Yeah. You know, and there it's it's was not uncommon for people to start out on their journey with like you know fully clothed and bags of gold and to like end up <laughs> somewhere uh, with no shoes, uh, penniless because what can you do? There's no authority to help you out. I mean, you're basically in a no uh, in in a, in a no man land, yeah. no man's land. Um, but there were, there were also just wolves. There was a threat of infectious diseases because you're going to new areas where, you know, contact with a new people that, that were acclimated to a disease that you weren't, you know, is the idea of travel was fucking terrifying. And it's right. why for centuries, for most of our development as a society, civilization, um, was all about little pockets of society and like mm -hmm. people that the people that kind of went out of their way to kind of travel between them, like itinerant peddlers or whatnot, were the exceptions to the rules. And they were always treated with suspicion. Yeah, they weren't trusted um, at all. Because yeah. they were like, oh, you're an outsider or you're someone that kind of moves between these worlds. Well, you know, and some of them your... were shady. I've seen the musical Oklahoma. I know. <laughs> um, so it was interesting to think about. It's like for all intents and purposes, the highway 
became a sort of modern manifestation of the ancient concept of the underworld mm-hmm. because it's dark especially at night it's you know it's, it's a gloomy place it's it's just on the edge of wilderness it's not civilization it's not outright wilderness but it's definitely an outland and it's you know it's and and in the case of the phantom hitchhiker story it's inhabited by the wandering dead who are restless and have nothing better to do right and so and daylight kind of shades into night all too quickly and all bets are off you know it's a it's a frightening place the road and so also Sometimes there are deer right next to the highway, and it's terrifying. <laughs> yeah, well, that's well, that's what's so terrifying about driving down a forested road. It's like yeah. these these trees; anything can pop out of them any minute. If anybody has ever been in on I twenty in the spring, they know what I'm talking <laughs> oh, God, about. Yes, it yes. is terrifying. Yes, yes. Sometimes Bigfoot. Um, usually just deer. Usually just deer. I, I've never seen a Bigfoot myself, but people Same. have. Um, so the core elements of the Phantom Hitchhiker story are so remarkably consistent, however, across time and cultures that it does tend to cast serious doubt on any particular version being true. A given storyteller just seems to simply flesh out the 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 beats with local color and voila, the tale is brought into the present and made more visceral for the listener. Mm-hmm. Um, but the core elements of the Phantom Hitchhiker story and kind of their implications are as follows. <laughs> Almost always occurs at night. In fact, I cannot find a single instance where it occurs during the day except in the Jesus example and in a few ancient examples do with like uh, Catholic saints or the prophet Elijah. Get a little extra power. Yeah. Um, the Phantom Hitchhiker is almost always a woman. Like 99.99999% of the time it's a woman. And usually either a young woman or a very old woman. So a woman who is either not yet in her power or a woman who has left it, so to mm-hmm. speak. At least as far as, you know, cultural norms. She are. is weak for some reason societally. Exactly. She's weak. And so she's, she's kind of an outlier. And I've, why I've, she's a representative of the highway itself, kind of, yeah. So I've I've found only one instance. <laughs> I only of it understand being, things when I say it. <laughs> it's, it's perfect. Well, heavens. Whatever, what whatever gets you there. Um, <laughs> I'm not sure what accent that was. I couldn't decide between English and Southern, so I just kind it of it was a Southern just, English. Was Southern Southern English? So I'm, I sounded like a remittance yeah. man from the '80s. Um, yeah, that's what I, I said. I've only found <laughs> I've only found one instance of the Phantom Hitchhiker being a man. Only one mm-hmm. uh, in, in relatively modern times. And that, to be honest with you, seems to be a kind of a recent addition to the to the, the repertory because of a reflection of a more kind of woke culture that wants to be like, well, he can be, uh, the Phantom Hitchhiker can be a guy too. The woman is often young, frail. She is often uh, preoccupied or visibly frightened. Uh, a kind of shrinking violet type. Wait, what's the man one? Uh, we'll get to it. Okay. We'll get to it. Just bear that in mind. Every so often she's old and haggard, but the prevailing theme is that she's someone with whom you'd be more willing to offer a ride, i.e. Mm-hmm. not Trust. a threat. Yeah. My mother once picked up a little old lady that was going on the side, that was uh, traveling on the side of the road on the highway. Mm-hmm. Clearly nowhere near where she should have been because she had just taken a wrong turn somewhere. And so my mother had to pick her up. She's like, I can't just leave this world. She had also, shopping bags and everything. She might know about a gravestone and somewhere she, had, she needed to Well, take... she had Alzheimer's and my, you oh. know, she got in the car and my mom had to help her find... She was not a phantom Aww. hitchhiker, but she wasn't far from one. Oh, your mom's um, a saint. The driver in question is almost always male or a couple, mm-hmm. man and a woman. It's it's never, ever a woman on her own who's driving. Um, Interesting. And, and that seems to be, it seems to make sense from the kind of a patriarchal culture because a woman alone would kind of dampen the impact of the hitchhiker's presence um, because... 
the reason a guy will stop for a woman is because she's, she's out here where she shouldn't be. She needs mm-hmm. rescuing. Mm-hmm. Um, so if we're in a kind of world, so to speak, where a woman can be driving alone at night and that's considered normal, then the idea of a woman walking alone at night isn't, is, it doesn't have the same impact. So right. it, it's, that's why in these versions of the stories, which almost all, for modern listeners, almost all of them come from the 20s onward, come from a time where it's like, no, women, women, women didn't drive themselves right. any more than they walked alone at night. And so that's one of the reasons like it's almost never a man or it's, it's almost always a man who picks up the Phantom, Phantom Hitchhiker and never a woman because it, it tends to lessen the effect of the, impact. the the surprise that there would be a woman out here alone. Well, there's already a woman out here alone driving. What the fuck's the deal with it? I keep hitting the mic. I'm I sorry. Know, I'm sorry, Mike. I'm sorry, Matt. I love he's, you. He's gesturing wildly. I'm gesturing wildly. Um, let's see what else. Uh, so the driver frequently offers a personal item as kind of a token gesture of concern. Uh, he will give her a coat or a high school scarf letter jacket. or a high school letter jacket. <laughs> the personal item disappears along with the hitchhiker and comes back into the story later in such a way as to reinforce two major features. One, that the incident was not imaginary and two, that she was indeed dead and not of this world. So often right. the, the thing will reemerge. Uh, often it's around a gravestone. Like the person will try to find out like where this person was buried, see if they really exist or if there's a hoax. And they will find a gravestone and there will be the scarf or the letter jacket or whatever right. whatever they gave them. Um, the hitchhiker is revealed to have vanished shortly upon arrival to the address given. Uh, the current resident of said address is usually a parent or other aggrieved relation mm-hmm. who informs the driver that the hitchhiker has been dead for some time. Wow, she's been dead for 84 years. Right? There's a further tragic element to this part and that the bereaved confesses that they have to endure this occurrence on a regular basis, right. often on the anniversary of the hitchhiker's death. Uh, the hitchhiker's death corresponds to the idea of travel. She died as a result of either reckless driving, for example, or was brutally murdered in a remote location made more accessible to the murderer by car. Also hit and runs, yeah. Also hit and runs, yeah. things of that nature, right? The hitchhiker, or she drowned in a lake, um, or she drowned in a lake because the car went all over a bridge or something like that. Like she died, um, she died because of the car. Right. Uh, it's rare that the Phantom Hitchhiker died of other reasons. Like no one, it's very rare that someone just pick, picks up someone a Phantom Hitchhiker that that died from other causes. Right. It's always something to do with the mode of travel in question. That's the feature of the story, which kind of makes it kind of nicely cohesive. Um, the Hitchhiker often died just before or after a milestone event in their lives, such as a wedding or a, say a coming Prom. out dance. Uh, prom, yeah. Sometimes the events leading up to uh, the death are in and of themselves tragic, such as the death of a child, being left at the altar, being jilted by a lover, etc., which tends to suggest that the Phantom Hitchhiker is tragic because she's lost her position and security in society. Mm. If a bride has been left at the altar, um, the implications for her socially are not good. Right. Like, like, why do you know? Either she's she's she was going to be married, but now she's got no support, or maybe she was jilted because she was a loose woman or whatever. Like, it's it was a stigma to be left at the altar, even if yeah. it was not the woman's fault, right. which it frequently wasn't. Um, so the events surrounding her death play up a woman's vulnerable position within society. She's often dressed in white, 
Bitches almost always dressed in white, and which is weird because by that it's meant we're kind of meant to take as as readers or as hearers that it, that she's virginal, even when she's not. Even when we find out in life that she you know was married or had a boyfriend or was a loose woman, which is sometimes the case, it's almost like being a loose ghost equaling fun. She was a fun lady. Fun lady, right? She liked what um, she liked, and there ain't nothing wrong with it. <laughs> Hell yeah! But to these storytellers who have maybe stuffier morals, like. The cost of her being loose is she has to be dead and a ghost because right. that's the only way to regain well, her virginity, horror, which is why she's wearing movies, white. Right? The slut always dies. When you have it, when you, yeah, yeah. At least in horror movies, it's guys and and women that die when right. they have sex. So equality, yeah, I, I guess, on the other side yay. of the spectrum, which is yay. Um, well, at least they died have, getting laid. You know what I'm saying? So it's a, yeah. So it's. <laughs> I mean, it could be worse. They could be the nerd. <laughs> so he gets killed too. Yeah. Oh, poor, I was always the nerd. Um, <laughs> the gay nerd, too, so I never got laid. Mm. But then you wouldn't die. You can't be two and, and die. I don't know. There's, I'm, you, I'm pretty sure I don't I think do, you can be a combination. Not now, because our culture is more woke. Right. But, but I think in the 80s, I think a lot of gay nerds died yeah. in, in, in horror, horror movies. movies. All right. Okay. They, 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 they're maybe like the second to last or the last to die. And maybe they die in an uncommonly heroic act. They stay longer. Act. They stay longer. Yeah. They're, they're, they're through the final act, but they don't make it to the end. Right. Um... So she's so she's dressed, she's dressed in white. I find that fascinating because I feel like the fact that she's a ghost means she's kind of in purgatory, um, mm-hmm. and it's almost like purgatory is now a stand-in for her lost virginity. Like right. being in purgatory is the only way she can regain her maidenhood, Ugh. which is so fucking weird. And it's it just so says weird. a lot about. But it, it's it's almost hey, always why. Yeah. Um, and another reason why the Van Hitchhiker is always women, always a woman and almost always a young woman, mm-hmm. uh, someone who's virginal or who's not kind of found herself sexually yet, or a be. woman who's well past menopause. Yeah. In other words, it's, it's someone who's not in their prime yet. And that just says a lot about society's only comfortable with, with you right. know, th- that particular role. A woman who's fertile. Right. Um, You've got to make babies. Otherwise, why mm-hmm, are you here? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Otherwise, you're a ghost on right. the road. Uh, every so often, the hitchhiker foretells of impending disaster, hearkening back to the Greek myth of Cassandra. The closeness of the coming catastrophe may be the uh, rationale of her appearance, as opposed to the anniversary of her death. Now, some examples that are recent that I found interesting. So, uh, in 1975, motorists on the Austrian-German border frequently reported seeing a nun wandering the highway, uh, hitching for a ride. Upon being picked up, she would quietly ask to be taken to an address several kilometers up the road. Sitting in the back seat, she would begin to mumble to herself in tongues, growing more and more frantic and unintelligible as the car terrifying. neared the destination. Yeah, it's already terrifying. Um, she would vanish uh, just before the car got to where she, they, she told him to go, and she would leave no trace. According, according to at least one source, the nun is unofficially blamed for a fatal crash on April 13th, 1975. The driver is thought to have careened off the road in a panic after witnessing the nun disappear from the backseat of his car. Reports of her apparently became so pervasive that authorities enacted fines to dissuade people from spreading the story. In 1980, along uh, around 1980, along the Pacific Northwest, drivers began reporting an elderly woman who would wander the roads on foot, dressed in rags and seemingly disoriented. When offered a ride by motorists concerned for her well-being, she would accept only on condition that they repent of their sins. God, she said, was returning very soon. The wicked would be subject to his wrath. Sitting in the back seat, she would go on to warn of a catastrophe, uh, of wrecks slated to happen in the coming weeks, etc. 
No sooner would the driver try to interject that she would vanish. Police fielded apparently at least 20 calls about this mysterious woman around uh, wow. Tacoma, Washington. As sightings of her increased, the woman's pet topic of conversation switched from car wrecks to Mount St. Helens. Oh. A long dormant volcano erupted that year, killing, of course, dozens, after which sightings of the woman stopped. Ooh. Um, I mentioned uh, White Rock Lake, which is another example which I looked into, and that story's been around since the 20s. The other thing, but... though, with the ghosts there is that... So Dallas has this wild history, and a lot of our history is based yeah. on a JFK getting assassinated. Yes. On our streets. There is an X in the road, if you've never been here. Where Except he there's was one shot. for each shot. One for each shot. Yeah. It's really fucking disturbing. Yes, people go and take selfies there now, I and I, I feel so weird about that. It's also that. dangerous, because it's still a major road. Yes. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so... With that, you have Jack Ruby, who killed Oswald. Uh, they dra- White Rock Lake is a man-made lake. Mm-hmm. They were cleaning it. They dragged it and found numerous dead bodies. And a lot of those bodies were uh, contem- contemporaries and associates of Jack Ruby. Yeah. So yeah. there, there's a lot of reason mm-hmm. why that mm-hmm. lake in particular would be haunted and why I would never fucking go there at night. Well, there's another, there's a road <laughs> near there called Flagpole Hill, which is uh, known, which is considered haunted. Like there was the, the. That's the one I told you about. Yeah. With the golf ball. Yeah. 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 Uh, and so that, that's, that's one. So White Rock Lake, but. It's the right across the street. You know, the, the interesting trope, the interesting kind of wrinkle in that, in the, the Lady of White Rock Lake story is that it's a man-made lake. In other yeah. words, she wouldn't have died had we not presumed to like, to have, to have you know, tried to one-up nature, which is kind of the implication. I'm really glad we did. It's very pretty. Um, it, is, it is very <laughs> pretty. Lovely. And I love the bathhouse cultural center. It's really nice it little really, theater. Of course. See, um, that's so typical. You should have let me say that. <laughs> Why? Because the gay man can't say he loves the bathhouse. Yeah, he can. Cultural center. <laughs> <laughs> We call it that is a, really nice. Though. We call that a one-two punch. Hey, uh, um, so the only, um, well, okay. Th- so we'll get back to that. So there's the the incidents of it being a gentleman. The only the only time I've been able to find a modern example of it being a guy was in Little Rock, Arkansas. A guy that was reported as being very well dressed and quote angelic looking was often seen hitchhiking along the interstate between 1979 and 1980, around roughly about the same time as the mm. woman that predicted that supposedly predicted the eruption of Mount St. Helens in Tacoma, Washington. Um, like his counterparts in the stories above, he would tell those who offered him a ride that Christ's return was imminent. In one account, a motorist picked up the young man on a rainy night, only then only to notice that he was bone dry. Hmm. Uh, and the, in route to the destination, given the young man made an ominous comment that it would never rain again, he then vanished. Sightings of him became such a concern that Arkansas State Troopers kept a file on the guy, wow. though no one was uh, though no one other than those who reported seeing him were ever officially brought in for questioning. Hmm. Um, you know that's a big deal because we know they don't want to do paperwork. Yeah, especially on ghosts. It's, ghosty it's just things. weird. Uh, what else? What I am scrolling through here. I have um, I have one for you. That's a man. That's not. It's very yeah. modern. Yeah. Okay. There is. Uh, okay. There is a fairly well known one in England, Bluebell Hill, which I think I touched on once before. But it's the ghost of a young woman, and she was actually this. There's a true story that uh, three women were killed in, in a pretty bad car. I mean, obviously a pretty bad car wreck in 1965 near Kent, England. 
So what's interesting about Bluebell Hill is that the road where the accident happened was actually built over one originally laid by the Romans. It's one of the only mm. surviving examples of a Roman road that's still used. Um, and on November 19th, 1965, three women uh, sustained heavy injuries on an accident there when their, when their Ford Cortina uh, collided with the Jaguar. One of the women, who was 22-year-old 20, uh, Susan Brown um, from Gillingham, was... Uh, she was going to be wedded to an RAF technician named Brian Wetton. She, and she died a few days later at West Kent Hospital in Maidenstown uh, from injuries sustained in the wreck. And the other two females, a Judith and a Patricia, followed her to the grave shortly afterwards from their injuries. And since then, there have been numerous reports of ghosts along the route near the accident. The basic story is, of course, the, the Phantom Hitchhiker one, that people uh, driving past the Lower Bell pub on the A229 spot... A lone female dressed in white at the side of the road. Um, the motorist offers her a lift. It's always a guy. And she gives him an address. Sometime later, the driver looks in the rearview mirror to discover she's disappeared. Other variations of the story, however, report a small purse or a handbag of the person's, of the of the woman that's left behind. That's, that's a less frequent feature of the story, that the ghosts leave something of their own behind. Right. Though sometimes it's a puddle. Like if it was someone yeah, like the Lady of White Rock Lake, Lake often leaves yeah. a puddle... Or, yeah, so the Lady of like Rock Lake, for those who don't know, she hitches a ride. Her car has been, she drove her car into the lake. She's like, shit, I need some help. Somebody comes. She's usually just leaving a dance. It's prom night. It's usually in the spring. And somebody gives her a ride home. And when they get to the house, the only thing in their back seat or next to them is a puddle. Is a puddle. And yeah. so that's the, the trip mm-hmm. there. And then, of course, they go to the door and the mom's like, she's been dead right. for 84 years. 84 and years. And... And then, and then that turns out to be a ghost. No. <laughs> yeah. um, the legend of, of Blue uh, Bluebell Hill uh, has now become one of the best-known ghost stories involving phantom hitchhiking in the United Kingdom. And that road is reported to be one of the most haunted roads in the country, which is fucking saying something for the UK. On July 13th, 1974, local bricklayer Maurice uh, Goodenough, I love that his name is Goodenough. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> good enough. <laughs> good enough for bricklaying. Ran into... <laughs> It's like, what? That's a terrible business name. Good enough. Right. <laughs> it's like, we have a three-star establishment. Yeah. Um, two and a half stars. <laughs> uh, he ran into Rochester, uh, Rochester Police Station and reported he had run over a little girl, said about 10 years old, on Bluebell Hill. Um, uh, she had suffered several cuts and bruises, and he left her at the roadside wrapped in his blanket. When the police returned to the scene, the girl had disappeared, and despite an extensive 10-mile or 16-kilometer radius search of the area, the girl was never found. A further incident of the lone female variant of the story was reported in 1992. Other variations are drivers reporting to have driven straight through a girl in the middle of the road without any apparent injury. Uh, And finally, we come to Lydia. Lydia? uh, Lydia, not Lydia. I Did you say Clidia? I, I swear Lydia. to God, I think you said Clidia. Probably clicked. My <laughs> mouth probably clicked. Lydia. Lydia. I just thought um, Beetlejuice, that's all. <laughs> shake, that's kind of what I picture shake, when it's, you know, shake, shake your body, body line. Anyway. Um, on certain rainy nights, and this comes from the North Carolina Ghost website, on certain rainy nights where US 70A twists around a sweeping curve that passes by an old overgrown underpass, drivers will see a young woman in a white evening dress standing by the side of the road. She will be desperately trying to flag down any path car. If someone pulls over to help the young lady, she climbs meekly into the back seat of the car and says that her name is Lydia. She will tell the driver that she's just been to a dance
dance, and now she's trying to get home. She gives the driver an address not too far away, and he kindly agrees to take her there. The driver may try to engage Lydia in conversation, but she seems distracted and in kind of a world of her own, so he just leaves her be in a respectful silence and concentrates on the road. When the car pulls into the address the young woman gave, the chivalrous driver invariably hops out to open the door for her, only to discover that she's vanished. Gone! Ta-da! Perplexed, the man goes to the door and rings the bell. An old woman answers. Uh, the, uh, the man explains he picked up a young woman named Lydia by the overpass who has to be brought to this address, but she's no longer in the car. He wonders if she may have run out before he could open the door, and he just wants to know if she's safe and if everything is as it should be. A faint, pained smile of recognition passes over the old woman's face as she reaches for a picture in her silver frame, in a silver frame sitting by the table next to the door. It's a photograph of the young woman the man drove to the house. Lydia was my daughter, the old woman says. She died in a car wreck by that overpass in 1923. You're not the first one, and I suppose you won't be the last. Every so often, her spirit flags down a passing driver. I suppose she still doesn't understand what happened to her. I suppose she's still trying to get home. That's why the overgrown underpass near Jamestown is called Lydia's Bridge. Oh. Drive past it on a rainy night, and you may see her too. So what does the story of the Phantom Hitchhiker mean? Why do we keep telling it time and time again? It probably is worth noting that while there are certainly older versions, the story began spreading like wildfire after the invention of the car. There was a time when cars were few on the road and that the death of a young woman in an automobile accident would have been a relative rarity and a topic of conversation for weeks, if not months afterwards. There may be some folk memories of some fatal accident long ago which shook an entire town and that those memories are kept alive in the Phantom Hitchhiker stories. There also, uh, also may be uh, something in the way of the story captures the excitement of a teenager's first few years driving, where making the journey from, say, Raleigh to Greensboro alone at night can seem like an adventure, and anything is possible, even picking up, uh, picking up a hitchhiker who died nearly a century ago. Uh, and if you happen to see someone in a white dress standing by that overpass in High Point, there's a good chance that teenagers seeking excitement have a lot to do with it as well. Yeah. Um... But pick Those that bitch up, find out what happens. <laughs> so yeah, that's, and then tell us all about and there, it. <laughs> there are just right. There are just so many examples of of women in white haunting roads and yeah. bridges, and I think it's fascinating how it survived. Now, so the question becomes, like my my, my take is that there there are obviously some true examples, and that the story, right. the true examples, it are just such good nothing. stories. No, it can't be from too nothing um, because it's too consistent. It's too consistent. Right. If about, Jesus can do it. <laughs> Why would the Lord not bless other people with that power? <laughs> and just Jesus just leaves a puddle of wine in the backseat of your car. That's it. That's the hitchhike you Jesus want. Jesus does rock. <laughs> Jesus, take the wheel. Because uh <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to drink your puddle. <laughs> Careful, we're going to end up on the road in afterlife. I know. Um, so you want to hear my story? That kind of goes against some of the stuff that you've said. I do, I do, which is why I said, do you want another drink, incidentally, before we start? Yeah, but this is not, this is not Resurrection Mary. This is a different, this is a vanishing hitchhiker story. Okay, please, please, yes. And it is quite close to my heart. (gasps) I can't believe I've never told you this. Oh my God, this is something I don't know about you? No. (gasps) It wasn't me, it didn't happen to me, of course, it never happens to me. uh, (laughs) You said that. It's one of my friend's moms who Mm, was mm. like a secondary mom. Okay. I was very, very, very close to her. And this happened on the day of the Oklahoma City bombing. Oh, shit. Yeah. So it's very recent in Ooh. comparison to, it's definitely modern day. It's, of course, yeah. the Oklahoma City bombing was 22 years ago, I think. So it's yeah, been quite a while. Yeah, but you here, you still, 
It might yeah. as well have been yesterday. Yeah. So uh, for those who don't know, I grew up in Oklahoma. I was actually on stage at a show choir mm -hmm. dance performance from 9 to 9.05. Mm. And I remember when we got off, they said, you can't go to the state capitol because they uh, blew up the federal building. And my reaction was, what do you mean blew yeah. up? Like at that point, so what is that? it, just it even, didn't even process. It doesn't even register. Yeah. It was, I mean, it was traumatic for multiple reasons. And it included, you know, I had two different churches. <laughs> I was at about, I went to a Baptist church and I was confirmed to the Lutheran church. You're just hedging your bets. Yeah. Uh, Jean-Luc's kindergarten Sunday school teacher was killed. Yeah, you've told me. Oh, God. Very hard. It was very hard. Um, so the story is that there was a woman in our church who was supposed to go downtown. And this had, there were a lot of stories like this. They were going to go to work. They worked in the federal building. Mm -hmm. And just something got in their fucking way. They couldn't get there. They were late. They were, mm. you know, just couldn't get there. And it, and you know, she, by the time she got near the area, it it had already happened. Mm. So she just in a daze thought, I'll head home. And she saw a man walking and thought he must need a ride. So she asked him if he needed a ride. And he was just walking and he was in a suit and he had a, a trumpet, like a gold trumpet. Huh. And so he got in the car and they drove and he talked to her and they had a whole conversation that was encouraging her and and helping, like it helped her feel better. And she felt like they were kind of exchanging this. And he got out of the car and wished her well and walked away. And she looked down and realized as she was driving away, he had left, left his trumpet. What? So she went back to give him the trumpet and he was gone. And when she looked down, the trumpet was gone too. What? A and this is, this is a woman that was like a second mother to me. She went to church regularly. She was not big into the ghost story stuff. Oh. Yeah. And there oh. were a lot of stories oh. that came out of stuff like that happening at that time. That's, um, what a, I mean, my first thought, my, <laughs> know, my first thought like, is, God, how emotional. And I'm I know, like, it was, oh my God. it is, it is. Because that, that affected all of us yeah. in this area at that time. Like, because we yeah. knew people. I mean, and I went to school in OU. Um, yeah. So like that, that was a thing. Um. But what? But my my more abstract thought is like, what a delicious inversion of the storytelling tropes. Right, where completely. It's a opposite. woman driver who picks up a in man in Oklahoma. He's of all chatty things. and he encourages her. Right. The belief was he was an angel. Yeah. That's well, he had a trumpet. People thought. I know. That's why. That's my first thought. Is he has a trumpet? He had a trumpet. And what's yeah. a guy with a business suit doing with a trumpet? I like to believe it was Michael in this moment. <laughs> oh, it's a good name. <laughs> I know. Is Michael the one with the trumpets? I don't care. <laughs> I just thought it was Gabriel it. with the trumpet. I don't fucking know. It doesn't matter. It's an angel. Point it was an angel. It was an angel. That's more of a Catholic thing to. I know. I feel like Michael Lee, Michael the Arch, the, Ar Not the Archangel is. He's more of a fuck shit up. He's, he's into he's, he's, he's a warrior. He's he like likes he's, McDonald's. He's I don't know. Like, he's kind of, he's kind of <laughs> like he's like he's like the Christian Thor. Like he just, he's the warrior. So, because he's like the right hand of God or something like that. So he's like I feel mm. like he'd be in the back seat with like an axe going, yeah, I'm gonna fuck shit up. Right. And he'd be like an annoying hitchhiker. Right. Yeah. But that's that's wow. Close I to never home. Heard I didn't even that story. Think I knew about, about the Oklahoma bombing and all that, and you're closest to it. I didn't know yeah. about. Oh. Yeah. Sean Luke's kindergarten teacher. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, it was wow. rough. It was really rough. Um, but 
um, anyway, so damn, it's yeah, it's just interesting. I was damn. like, because I started thinking about that when you were going through it. I was like, oh my god, it was a dude, and he was chatty, and he did that. And oh, I had not even thought about that for years. God damn, that's fantastic. That's so funny. I love it. Yeah. Oh my god, but maybe I need you drink. know, angels are dead. <laughs> yeah, let's do drinks, and, and then, then we'll come back and I'll talk about resurrection oh, we'll Mary. Resurrection Mary. Pee break, y'all. Cheers to seconds. Cheers to seconds. Slash fourths. <laughs> okay. It's a it's if it's divisible by two, it counts. It was stronger that time. Was it stronger? I didn't realize it in my first sip, but in my second sip, I've realized this is stronger. So let's see if I can get through it. I, I love challenge accepted. Challenge. <laughs> so this is long. I can't fucking wait. I'm we'll so see. ready for this. Okay. Archer Avenue Part 2. Oh. Resurrection Mary. And how does her theme go? What's the melody for her theme? Da, 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 da. That's better, because all I heard was do, 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 But that's what I sing when I pee sometimes. Is <laughs> that <laughs> just me? Am I the only one? <laughs> yeah, I think it's just do, you. Do, 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 do you ever find do, coins? Do, do, do. Wouldn't that be great? Pennies from heaven. Grandpa, where are my pennies? <laughs> um, okay. That was a, that was a, going back to our last That was a callback to a ghost episode? Yes. Okay. So. <laughs> okay. Resurrection Mary. Proud Mary. Keep on rolling. Running. Walking. Staring. Okay. Freaking. Anyway. Freaking. Okay. So. Now <laughs> this is going to be fun with all this alcohol in my system. <laughs> so, Chicago, Resurrection Mary, most famous ghost in Chicago and one of the most famous vanishing hitchhikers ever in the world, as we've said ever, ever, like ever, right, ever, right. ever in the world. She's, kind of, she's become the modern archetype. Yes. She's the Helen Mirren. She, this bitch is a big deal. Of, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she has been freaking the shit out of motorists on Arch Archer Avenue for nearly 90 years. <clears throat> That's a... Uh... It's quite yeah. a career. Yeah, it is. She's she's doing well. Sorry, I take it back. She's the Betty White of, of bitches and <laughs> <Betty> whites. White. <laughs> Hashtag Betty White, bitches and white. So to begin the story, we have to go back down the road just a little bit from Resurrection Cemetery to Willowbrook Ballroom and Banquets. It used mm. to be called O. Henry's Ballroom, and it is across the street from the Irish legend slash O. Henry's Roadhouse. Right, right. We discussed remember, it last time. I remember that. So O. Henry's Ballroom plays a huge, huge part in this legend, okay? okay? According to the legend, Mary is the spirit of a teenage girl who, after spending the evening dancing at the ballroom, got into a fight with her boyfriend and stormed out of the ballroom, deciding she would rather walk home than spend another minute with that sack of shit. I'm over it! She's fine. <laughs> I might be taking a little liberty with the story. It's usually not as swear-heavy. But anyway, I mean, isn't everything real, though, not as swear heavy? She's a young as woman. I... She has the right to yeah, swear if uh, some true. guy's Gosh, been a douchebag to her. She'll never dance with him again. <laughs> <laughs> she won't handle being handled like that. How dare he? She's Henry, out. you can go to heck. You can go to hell, Henry. So, uh, anywho, after walking less than a mile, Mary was struck and killed in a hit and run by a driver who fled the scene and was never found. Distraught. Mary's parents laid her body to rest in Resurrection Cemetery, wearing a white dress. The same outfit she wore the night of the dance. Oh, that's kind of morbid to be buried in the outfit you died in. I know, it is. It doesn't seem to match. But maybe they didn't have a lot of money, and so that's it's true. like, that was her nice dress. It was white. You was just like bleach her one that shit. Nice dress. Just bleach it <laughs> and call it a day. It's hard enough to keep clean. Sorry, go on. Internal bleeding, I don't know. 
So is that inappropriate? Was that too far? <laughs> Sorry. That was at least 90 years ago. It's going to be worse. Okay, so <laughs> why does this story exist? Let's explore it. Okay. So people leaving the Willowbrook Ballroom, among other venues in the area, have reported seeing a woman in a white dress standing on the side of the road since the 1930s. Sometimes people give her a ride home only to have her disappear into thin air before they arrive at the address she's given them. Other times, she disappears when they drive by Resurrection Cemetery. Uh Stories tell of the woman exiting the car only to disappear moments later. And in one famous story, she actually burns her hands into the cemetery gates, which still bear marks to this day. We'll get into that in a bit. Okay, I'm confused. There's a lot to unpack there. There, Welcome to fucking Resurrection Mary. (laughs) (laughs) There's a lot. There are plenty of variations in the Resurrection Mary story, but they all end the same way. Mary always disappears into thin air. She is the ultimate vanishing hitchhiker. She vanishes like no other bitch can vanish. You know what I'm saying? She brought it back. That's right. So. In true Resurrection Mary style. Here. It's in the name. It's yeah. a great stage name. Are you ready for the hashtag actually? Yes. Well, I'm sorry. There's not one. This shit is really fucking weird. Ah, yes. It is real. <laughs> and it is weird. Really? Yes. Yes. Oh, my God. The real is so much weirder. I know. Okay. It's, oh, so, fuck. I can't wait. Oh, my God. I can't I wait. I'm getting excited. By all accounts, the legend of Resurrection Mary began, unsurprisingly, in the 1970s. Hmm. There was a lot of the supernatural stuff being embraced in the 1970s. A Age lot of, of things are brought up. Age 60s, 70s. This yeah. was a very common time. It wasn't the first encounter by far, but this incident birthed the legend. Around 10.30 p.m. on August 10th, 1976, which is less than two weeks away from 43 years ago. (gasps) The day that we're recording it, it is two weeks ago. Oh. A year, or 43 years and two weeks ago to the day. Oh. Oh. A man drove by Resurrection Cemetery on Archer Road and saw a woman in a light-colored dress inside the cemetery grasping onto the bars. The police station wasn't too far away, so we stopped by to let them know a woman was trapped inside the cemetery. Also, side shout out to that guy for not fucking stopping and being like, that shit's weird. I'm going to go to the cops. And yeah, it's not like, I'm like, going to turn to the professionals. Let me get Let's, out of uh, my car at this nighttime cemetery. And Yeah, right. Yeah. Let me not be a dude about he it. Knew. Just actually go and go to someone else for help. He knew. Fuck a cemetery at night. He also seems like the type of guy that would have stopped and asked for directions. Yes, he probably was. A patrolman named Pat <laughs> Homer. Um, <laughs> named Pat Rollman. Ro- a patrolman <laughs> named Pat responded to the call, but when he got there, he couldn't find anyone. He shouted, called on his loudspeaker, looked for her using his spotlight, but there was no sign of anywhere on the premises. However, when he looked at the gates where the girl had reportedly been standing, he saw... <laughs> bless you. <laughs> Sorry. Bless you. Someone's walking on my grave. Sorry, right, it's the ginger. Uh, oh, damn, ginger's walking on mm-hmm. my grave. <laughs> However, <laughs> when he looked at the gates where the girl had reportedly been standing, he saw that two of the bronze bars in the gate seemed to be burned and twisted, as oh, if right. someone had been holding the bars and trying to bend them. Within the marks was what looked to be skin texture and handprints. Small handprints. That had been seared into the metal. What? Yeah. Did I stutter? 
like pause, no. rewind, listen to it again. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> We're just getting started. What the fuck? I'm so excited to tell you the story. So I've never for everybody, heard this part I know of I hadn't either. So here's oh. the thing: is in all of the, I knew he was doing the hitchhiker research. I was like, if you come across anything resurrection, Mary, don't fucking look at it. I want to. I didn't, and, and so I didn't. I, yeah. I avoided her. I'm so excited I, to tell you. This. Avoided her because we know the general story, but we yeah. didn't know the specifics. Well, yeah. good, ready. Oh my god. So patrolman Petoma. Did not avoid the paperwork on this weird experience. Go Pat. And maybe he liked paperwork. Maybe he just thought it was weird and it fucking was like, needed uh, to document Someone it. burned these bars with their fucking hands. Right. I need well, to Well, and it could have been this. the damage. Maybe he was worried about the damage or some shit. Like, you know, this this is property damage, so I need to go ahead and mark this down. You know what I mean? Maybe yeah. something like and, that. And, and because it was the 70s and there was a lot of occult shit going around, he's mm-hmm. probably worried about like kids getting to the cemetery and trying to right. do weird ritualistic shit. And exactly. God knows and what they were doing remember, that, that could have burned it like that. So he's got to Right keep, down the road. Yeah, you can't just write that shit Is off. the um, St. Saint, Saint John's. This is St. John's. God, I can't even remember. It was only two weeks ago. I don't know. Um, the other church. Remember where there was. Oh, uh, the, St. Something's. Sag, St. John Sag, St. Something, something, yeah, Sag. Um, Sag or something. God, I should be better at that. Um, <laughs> memory, like the corner. It's they back in the corner. It's in the corner of they my know, mind. They know, There's a hundred people right now going, it's this. Yeah, that one. Thank you. There were reports of um, occult activity around mm-hmm. there and devil worshiping because it was the 1970s and that's what everybody didn't really do, but a lot of people did. So imagine a lot of police officers around that time had to take that shit seriously going, and there right. may be some people out there that you have never some know. weird powers and, you know, they, we got to treat them like criminals. Or they're just being shitty. Mm-hmm. So either way, he filed an official report which ended up making the newspapers causing curiosity seekers to flood the area to get their own look at the cemetery oh, gate. Oh, bad idea. Resurrection always stated there was nothing supernatural about the damage to the bars. They tried to discourage the crowds, even attempting to remove the marks with a blowtorch, making them look even worse. (laughs) Finally, (laughs) they took the bars out of the gate and installed a wire fence um, until the two bars could be straightened or replaced. You'll read in most articles that their explanation was that a truck backed into the gates while doing sewer work and that the grounds workers tried to fix the bars by heating them with a blowtorch and bending them. The imprint was not from a ghostly woman's hands. They were from the gloves the ground worker wore when he was fixing them. Convenient excuse. Also, but, not how they fix rod iron fences, as far right. as I know. They never, <laughs> they never explained why the handprints were small and not large gloved ones workers' gloves would be. This before child labor laws were really in effect, I guess. So uh-huh. and they also could never explain why the bronze never reverted back to its green oxidized state ever. It also doesn't explain why the guy saw a fucking woman on the inside. Exactly. At, that those, goes along. at those bars. Exactly. According a lot of missing to, pieces to that explanation. Right? A lot, of missing, a lot of missing pieces. And according to Troy Taylor, who wrote The Girl by the Side of the Road, where I got the majority of my information. It's good. His books are awesome. They're really good. There's a whole books. bunch of them. I'm probably going to do a lot of yeah. reading that and taking yeah. stories from that shit. They're it's, so good. They're really good. This is a, it's a really good book. Uh, the Girl by the Side of the Road, Troy Taylor. Um, the cemetery did not come up with this excuse until 1992 which would be 16 years after she was seen. The cemetery ended up returning the bars because everybody was like, what you got to high resurrection cemetery? (laughs) And of course, the Catholic church being the Catholic church, people were like, what is this conspiracy? Why are they trying to hide it? Mm. A lot of people believed that they put it into the Catholic um, supernatural 
mm. storage facility. You know, like what is that show? Like at the end of the book, like the end of the Ark of of like where they, what they do with the Ark of the Covenant yes. at the end of Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yes, exactly, exactly like that. Like so the, that's what they thought. Like they, oh, it's 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 got to be there. It's got to be there. There were all all of these conspiracies. And you're thinking like of the Supernatural, right? Is that the show? No. no. What show is you're thinking of? It's a, it's a book. It's a book series, and they did a TV show for a short time based on it. And they have to hunt down like supernatural things so they can store them. And sometimes this stuff gets out. It starts with a D. I'm gonna. People are screaming it at me, and I can hear it. it. Sounds like Friday the Thirteenth, the series, but that was. That's not it. I don't know. Was it recent? Mm. Like in the past, like 10, 15 years. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah. I can't remember. Recent for us because we're. Yeah, ancient at this point. Um, <laughs> it'll come to me. Maybe not during the podcast, but it'll come okay. to me. So uh, for those of you who know, yeah, that's the one. Um, <laughs> so the bar, okay, they ended up <laughs> putting the bars back because of all of the conspiracy about it. They still had their scorched areas that never oxidized with the handprints until the late 1990s when they were finally removed permanently. The cemetery ended up replacing the entire front gates paid to have them all replaced. Wow. To stop it. Just to keep people from coming and looking. Yeah, get them to shut up. Well, it's got to be alarming if you have a relative buried there. It's like, all oh, these fucking people just like treating it like a, you know, that's weird. Amusement it's park? Weird. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. After this report, people began to see Mary all over the place. She was reportedly seen twice at a nightclub called Harlow's. It's located at 8058 South Cicero almost directly east of Resurrection. Bob Main was the night manager there at the time, and he has the distinction of being the only person we know of to encounter Mary on two different occasions. Oh. He saw her on a Friday night that spring, and then again about two weeks later on a Saturday. He said she was 24 to 30 years old, 5'8"-ish, slender with yellow blonde hair to the shoulders that she wore in big spooly curls coming down from a high forehead. She was pale, like she had powdered her face and body. She wore an old dress that looked like a wedding dress that had yellowed in the sun. Hmm. Uh, at the club, she danced oddly by herself, as in dancing by herself was odd, and also the way that she was dancing was odd. Just odd all around. Just very like, gen- in girl general. Girl had no rhythm, and she was just kind of by herself. It was very a, weird. It was yeah. a very weird experience. I feel like we've seen this person. Maybe we know her. Um, no one would. No one knew what to make of her, including Bob. He would have thought perhaps she was a mentally disturbed person or maybe a prank. However, Bob worked the door, and there were servers and bartenders and patrons inside. No one, either night, ever saw her come in or leave. She just showed up. He didn't even put it together that she may have been Resurrection Mary until he saw, saw an article about it a few years later. Also at this time, Mary was being reported running out in the middle of Archer and being struck by passing cars. A young woman with brown hair wearing light-colored dress would be would run out into the front of their cars. Sometimes she'd vanish right before being hit. Other times they'd feel the impact of hitting her as well as see her crumple, only to find no one near their car when they stopped to check on the pro girl. God, that's terrifying. Yeah. Because it just makes me, one, it puts me in mind of the driver and how awful that is to think you've hit someone. And then how terrifying it is to learn that, like, am I going crazy? Because right. I saw someone and I heard it and I felt it, but there's nothing here. Mm-hmm. But the other side of that coin is, like, what if Mary is slowly coming to realize that she's dead and she's testing it by running out in front of cars to see if oh they my do gosh. anything? You know what I mean? Like, we are that's, putting that like, in our movie. It's like Groundhog's Day. Yes. It's, it's like, oh, that's terrifying. She's yeah. like, oh, let's see if I'm dead. Um, yeah. I'm dead. You know, like, oh, yeah. God. Right. Oh. And, oh. too, light brown hair and blonde hair. It's usually short blonde hair or 
light blonde, light brown that goes to the shoulders. So there's two of them, or she just changes her hair. I don't know. I That's don't know. Weird. You see, or, or or again, like we've, and sometimes we've, it's they'll see a young girl. Like a, a young girl. Like a little girl. Yeah. Like a little girl. Well, like not that's, seven, that, but like a little older than that. Yeah. But young. Like, so. That's crazy. Well, it kind of and varies. sometimes, you know, like, like we talked about with the poltergeist cases, sometimes there's like an entity there, but it wears whatever your subconscious dresses it in. Right. That's true. That is true. So police even responded to emergency calls about this particular version of the story on August 12th, 1976, May of 1978. October of 1979. Wow. There are police reports. This goes on and on and on and on and on. Incidentally, unknown to the people who experienced this version of Mary, these stories were very similar to ones reported in the 1930s. Huh. There's a story from, we'll get get there. There's a story from 1973 where at Chet's Melody Lounge, which is located across the street from the cemetery, an annoyed cab driver bounded in asking about his fare, a young blonde woman. The manager gave him the only answer he had. A blonde woman never came in here. Since then, a Bloody Mary is left at the end of the bar at Chet's just in case Mary returns and is thirsty. That's a little tasteless. I know. Or nursing a hangover. Who knows? Maybe <laughs> you never know. a little know. tasteless. Like, like, uh, oh, Bloody she Mary. died a bloody death. Yeah. Let's give her a drink that reminds her of... Yeah. yeah. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's, These experiences... Like here's, here's a... Here's a, here's a <laughs> Here's a drink we're leaving out for the ghost of JFK. It's called the headshot. Mm-hmm. Like, that's just not. <laughs> he gets three of them. Um, is that too far? I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Uh, ch- chased by. That may not even uh, be Chased after. with Dos Equis. <laughs> hey. Because of the X's. Yeah, yeah, I get it. Um, <laughs> oh, God. So, we're terrible I'm, humans. I'm be a we fan apologize of for ourselves. I'm going to be a fan of Hitchhiker. I just know I am. <sighs> Okay. People are going to be in the row on the way driving to a con and they're going to We're... see the ghost of my career. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Sorry. If we're ghosts, we're just going to be ghosts that tell ghost stories. That's all it's going to be. We're going to be it's very weird. It. It's going to be weird. Like, okay. And one time, this passenger <laughs> got in the car and it was me. And- <laughs> I'll provide sound effects. It'll be great. So these experiences definitely add to Mary's legend. However, it was the unsettling experience of a taxi driver on January 12th, 1979, that would reveal the mystery of Mary, as well as her name. I think this is as well as her name, to the world. Okay. A few minutes after midnight, the driver was returning to the city after dropping off a fare in Palos Hills. At the intersection of Archer and Willow Springs, he passed a collection of stores um, in the old Willow Shopping Center, and he saw a pale figure at the side of the road. Knowing a blizzard was on its way, in fact, the weather was already pretty nasty, the driver asked her if she needed a ride. He described her as a looker who (laughs) was not dressed for the weather that particular night. Now, he was a father. He had a daughter her age. She could have, you know. So he's thinking, like, you know, this is someone's daughter. He was worried about her. Yeah. She was wearing only a thin white cocktail dress. She never asked the driver to stop, just stood there looking at the cab. But when he asked her if she needed a lift, she stumbled over to the car, opened the back door, and slid into the seat. When he asked her what was wrong, she didn't answer. So he told her he'd give her a free ride on account of the weather. Where did she want to go? The girl replied that he should keep driving north on Archer. He tried to make small talk with her, but she was non-responsive. When she finally did speak, she said very quietly, the snow came early this year. After that, she remained quiet. Not long afterwards, 
out of nowhere, she shouted at him to pull over to the side of the road. She needed to get out. The driver obliged, but instead of seeing a house or business, the only thing he saw was the large metal gates of Resurrection Cemetery. When he looked back at the girl to tell her she couldn't get out there, she had vanished. Oh. The back door had never opened. He never saw no. movement. She was just gone. Now that's that's the story I've heard before. That's yeah. that's the the sort of ultimate version that I've yes. heard before that I'm most familiar with. But beyond that, I don't know much else right. about. So this man was a 52-year-old, like I said, father, veteran, churchgoer, and little league coach. Okay. People trusted him. Yeah. And when his story his story finally got to a newspaper, the vanishing woman was given a name. Resurrection Mary. Here's why. Because of the cemetery where she vanished. Resurrection Cemetery. Where does Mary come from? Where does Mary come from? Well. (gasps) Of course you know. The newspaper reporter is the one who delved into the story and found out that these stories had been around since the 1930s. In fact, people all over the southwest suburbs of Chicago were already very familiar with her. They were the ones who knew the background story of Mary and the dancing and the shitty boyfriend and the hit and run. They always, they already knew she was a Mary. Okay. She had been seen at the Willowbrook Ballroom, one of the few dance halls that had still played big band music numerous times since 1930s. And I mean, it's one of the, it was one of the only ones that still played big band music. It was a big venue. Mm -hmm. That's where you would go to dance. Uh, Even in modern times, that's what they did. Okay. So, customers and employees both report an attractive young woman in a white party dress. She's been seen dancing as well as just standing at the edge of the floor watching people dance with a slight smile on her face. People have seen her vanish from the dance floor out of nowhere as well as vanish when approached by someone. Mm. In the 1980s, there were more reports of Mary. Nick Muros was driving when he saw the figure of a woman cross the street right in front of him. He slowed down and passed her as she stopped at the median. She was a short-haired blonde girl with a flowing white dress with her palms up and her arms outstretched. She then walked away from him and disappeared. He didn't know about Mary until he told the story to some of his friends, and they let him know what he'd probably seen. In an interview later, he said, I've never been one to say I saw a ghost, but it was a warm night, a full moon. I had my windows down, and I could see her profile, and it was a young, blonde-haired girl. During the last weekend of August 1980, Mary was reportedly seen by dozens of people. Oh. On September 5th, a man offered to give a young woman in a white dress a ride, and she accepted. He tried to chat with her and even stated that she kind of looked like Resurrection Mary. (laughs) And she's like, funny you should mention that. Funny story. As he drove up past the cemetery, she never said anything, and he never slowed down. But when he looked over, she was gone. Oh, God. September 7th, two couples drove by a girl in white just outside the gates of Resurrection Cemetery, walking quickly from the edge of the road towards the gates. That said, she sort of, they said she sort of gave off a glow as if a fluorescent light was shining from under her dress or from her skin. Mm. One of the ladies in the car was like, no, she was terrified of it. But the guys, We don't stop for glowing women. Yeah, her boyfriend was like, no, we're turning around. So they turned the car around to go look. And he leaned, his name is Mark, he leaned way out as they were driving slowly to get a look at her face. Turns out she had no face. Ah! 
In this particular just, instance, dude, it was uh, just a black void where her face should have oh been. Oh, God. Then they turned around again. That's kind of reminiscent of that, that kind of, of, of uh, Japanese ghost yes, yes. that we talked about. Um, they turned around again to find out more about this no-face girl walking towards the cemetery gates. But by the time they got back, she had disappeared. Ooh. November 6th, two young men were driving south on Archer around 7.30 p.m. Just north of the cemetery, they saw a girl in a white dress appear from the edge of the road out of nowhere. There's a high fence right there. She couldn't have been leaving the cemetery because of that fence. Mm-hmm. It's like she just popped out of the trees. Damn. The young woman lurched forward quickly as if she had started to run or had stumbled, and the driver slammed on his brakes as they braced for impact. But of course, the impact never came. Ugh. The last sighting came just before Christmas. Two men saw a woman dancing in the middle of Archer just east of Harlem Avenue, and they immediately knew shit was weird. They watched her dance past them, even though other people who were around seemed to not notice that she was there at all. Mm. She was dancing in the middle of the road. And then she just disappeared. They went home. They described what happened to one of their dads, and he told them, I think you've seen Resurrection Mary. Wow. Yeah. Neither boy had ever heard of her before, and the father did a little bit of research and found out that Mary had been seen dancing outside the fence of Resurrection one week before the boys encountered her. Ooh. During the weekend of May 22nd, I know. Just seeing some random person dance in the middle of the street outside a cemetery is already unsettling. And then to go home and have your dad be like, oh, shit, you saw Resurrection Mary, son. Yeah. Yeah. Um, May 22nd, 1983. At least five different people saw Mary on Archer Avenue near the Willowbrook Ballroom. Of course, Willowbrook is the Mm -hmm. O'Henry, right? Mm -hmm. The ballroom employees saw Mary walking in on Archer, just walking down the road, in 1981 and 1983. So it happened in 1981, and then they were like, oh, shit, that's fucking Resurrection Mary. So they kept watch, and she didn't show up again. They didn't see her, at least, until 1983. By the mid-1980s, the sightings started to fade. People still see her to this day, but they're not nearly as common. It's almost the same as when her sightings faded in the 1940s, and they didn't ramp up again until the 1970s. I want her to start taking advantage of, like, Lyft or Uber. <laughs> or Uber drivers oh my gosh, get, I wonder like, these how weird many cars, more, and they're like, like, why is someone, like, whatever, like, a ghost? I don't know if that... I want to... You know what? If you're a Lyft or an Uber driver and you've had a weird experience that's kind Please, of let us know. a new angle on the Phantom Hitchhiker, because now it's no longer a hitchhiker, it's just a, it's I mean, a client... If you've um, just had a weird experience, please let us know. Well, yeah, but, but we'll take them all. Specifically, specifically, I'm just trying to. I'm giving them an assignment. Right. Um, if any of you <laughs> go out and find yourself a vanishing hitchhiker and let us know all about it. <laughs> but if you're a Lyft driver, if you're a taxi driver, whatever, if you're if you're whatever, I, <laughs> tell us your weirdest, spookiest Lyft story because mm. that's that's kind of a new. It's new. That's a new angle. It's a new angle to the pandemic. And, and the mysterious. I, I want to see the story kind of evolve to. Uh, level up let's just level up vanishing right it's time it's time it's time it's time okay sorry go on so the very first reports came out in 1934 okay motorists on archer began telling of a young woman who would appear on the roadway as if trying to hitch a ride sometimes becoming frantic even climbing onto the running boards or trying to climb into open back windows these stories all described her in the same way wearing a light-colored dress but having curly brown hair that reached her shoulders. 
These stories were fairly traumatic for some of the people who saw her because they recognized her as their friend. Oh. Her name was Mary Bragovi, and she had been dead for several weeks. Oh. That's so sad. The I fact know. that she's so desperately trying to get on these cars, too, means that she's like, please take me away from the cemetery. I don't belong here. Mm-hmm. Like, and she's trying to, like, again and again, trying to see if she can leave, and it's not working. Yeah. Oh, God. And so this brings up some of the inconsistencies with Resurrection Mary. She's often reported as a blonde with short hair. But many people see a woman with brown hair, shoulder-length brown hair. There's blonde shoulder-length, but light brown hair and dark might seem blonde in comparison if your lights are here. So it is this, but generally it's short blonde hair or shoulder-length brown hair. That's, so there are there it goes other, back and forth. Like, are there two Resurrection Marys? We'll get there. Um, oh, God! The encounters are believable, especially when they call the cops, freaking out like a woman who'd been convinced she hit someone only to have the woman she'd hit disappear completely. But the contradictions can make the stories confusing and less than credible. Sure. They describe different looking ghosts, almost as if there might be more than one Mary. People have been trying to figure out who Mary is for decades. There are several most like, like, Pretty decent candidates. Okay. One, and I'm just going to hit on her real quick. Anna Norcus. She was a 12-year-old girl who died in a tragic accident in 1936. I think Anna might be the youngest version of Mary that people see. When they see a a young girl, when they're talking about someone who's young, I think this is who they're seeing. Too young to have, like, been at a dance. Yes. Like, perhaps there was um, a dance for young people, but not... But not like a not like a, a prom or a right. mixer no, or something like she's that. Too young just for that. yeah. Um, a lot of the stories, yeah, mention a young girl. There's got to be someone else, and it seems like Anna fits the bill for her. But since most of the stories report a woman in her 20s to 30s, we're going to focus on two people. Okay. Number one, Mary Bergovi, the Bergovi. woman who they saw her friend, their friend. Their friends are like, "That's Mary." Yeah. She was a 21-year-old woman of Polish descent who lived in a small house in Bridgeport with her family and worked at a local factory to help support her mother, father, and two younger brothers during the early days of the Great Depression. Mm. She was a big dancer and would go out all the time with her best friend, Laverne Rutkowski, Rutkowski, known as Vern. (laughs) Their favorite dance spot? Laverne and Mary. (laughs) I know. (laughs) Um, Their favorite dance spot was... The O'Henry Ballroom, which, of course, is the Willowbrook. Yeah. On March 10th, 1934, Mary and Vern had spent the Saturday afternoon shopping together. Mary's parents told her she was not to go out that night. But then the two women met a couple of guys. So the Mary decided, eh, like, I mean, I'm going to dance, Mom. I'm going to dance. I got to dance, Mom. I got to dance. dance. Got to dance. <laughs> um, both women took a short ride with the guys, but Vern was not impressed and instantly disliked them. They also drove recklessly, so she demanded to be let out of the car a few blocks from her home. She asked Mary if she was going to stay with the men and go out with them, and Mary said, yep. Mary, no. That was the last time Vern would see her best friend alive. The details of Mary's last hours are unclear, but it seems she most likely went dancing with the men and one of their friends at the O'Henry that night. After the ballroom closed, they drove into the city where most of the clubs stayed open later. In the early morning hours, they were driving along Wacker Drive, probably headed towards Archer to take Mary home, when the accident occurred. From the March 11th edition of the Chicago Tribune. Girl killed in crash. 
Miss Marie Bragovi, 21 years old, of 4611 South Damon Avenue, was killed last night when the automobile in which she was riding cracked up at Lake Street and Wacker Drive. John Riker, 23, of 15 North Knight Street, Park Ridge, suffered a possible skull fracture and is in the county hospital. John Thole, 25, 5216 Loomis Street, driver of the car, and Miss Virginia Rosansky, 22, of 4849 South Lincoln Street, were shaken up and scratched. The scene of the accident is known to police as a danger spot. Thole told police he did not see the L substructure. For those who don't know, the L is the elevated train. That's a part of Chicago's rapid transit system. I love it. I wish we had it. I'm fucking jealous of it. Mm, I hate traffic. When the car hit the metal structure, Mary was thrown through the windshield and instantly killed. Virginia was originally supposed to be sitting in the front seat where Mary was, but she did not like the driver. Mm. So she wanted to sit back in the back seat with the guy that she actually did like. And Mary obliged. (sighs) Mary was buried in Resurrection Cemetery in an orchid-colored dress. Now, there's a lot of confusion as to whether or not she's actually buried there. There is a Mary Bergovi buried there, but that Mary died in 1922. This mm. was 34. 34? What did I say? What? I, think, I think you said 34. That seems right. Yeah, 34. That's <laughs> so many numbers. Right. Um, According to family members, Mary was actually buried in a term grave and never moved. So a term grave is something that was supposed to be temporary, and mm-hmm. then they would move her to the, a family plot or something like that. It wasn't supposed to be permanent. But after World War II, space was needed for more burial sites as yeah. Resurrection Cemetery. Yeah. They got priority. Some of those graves were actually moved, and some others, like Mary's, were just covered over. Oh. The location of her grave is unknown because of this, but she was definitely buried in Resurrection Cemetery. Okay. Some think she's restless because of what happened to her grave, but that doesn't seem likely when you realize she started showing up almost immediately. Yeah. In April of the same year, which is a month later, a month after she died, a caretaker at Resurrection Cemetery called the funeral home director, John Satala, and said, and that John was the one who actually prepared her. He was in, in charge of the funeral home. He prepared her for burial. So he was like a proper mortician in every sense yes. of the word. Like he, she needed some work yeah. because of the car accident. Oof, and God. and so he... Can you imagine? I just cannot imagine like, yeah. like the constitution you need to do to that do kind that. of work. Saints. The saints. Oof. So the caretaker told John that he'd seen the ghost of a lovely barefooted girl with light brown hair wearing a pale orchid-colored dress walking around the cemetery. Both men believed that that was the ghost of Mary Bergovi. <sighs> Soon after, more, seri- more stories about Mary began circulating from motorists. These are the reports of a woman trying to get into Passerby's car. Some of these are the people who knew Mary. Oh. Seems plausible. Likely, even that Mary Bergovi is the answer, but who's the blonde bitch everybody keeps talking about? Right, the one that they keep seeing at the Willowbrook. Let us talk about Jerry Paulus. Jerry Paulus. Paulus died in 1992, but he told a consistent story about his encounter with Resurrection Mary since 1939. Wow. This is an original story. Okay. He appeared on numerous television shows and never changed his story. He had little to gain and no reason to lie, and he never doubted that he spent the evening with a ghost. (gasps) 
Jerry was at the Liberty Grove and Hall, Liberty Grove and Hall, a music and dancing venue near 47th and Mozart, Mozart in the Brighton Park neighborhood. He'd noticed a beautiful blonde woman sitting by herself for a couple of hours, seemingly as if she didn't notice anybody or didn't know anybody. After getting up the courage, he approached her to see if she wanted to join him on the dance floor. She accepted, and they spent the next several hours together. He thought she was a bit distant, and he couldn't help but notice that her skin was very cold, almost icy to the touch. Mm. When he kissed her later in the evening, he described her, her lips as cold and clammy. Oh. At the end of their evening, she asked Jerry to give her a ride home. Of course he agreed, and so she told him she lived on South Damon Avenue, but that she wanted to take a ride down Archer first. He naturally wanted to spend as much time as possible with this girl, <laughs> so he agreed. As they approached the gates to Resurrection Cemetery, the girl asked him to pull over. She had to get out here, she told him. Jerry was taken aback, but he pulled the car off to the side of the road. He assumed at the time she was headed to a row of houses about a block off Archer at the time. He agreed to let her out if she'd let him walk her to wherever she was going. He was worried about her. Yeah. She being refused, a gentleman. Being a gentleman. He ref she refused him, saying, this is where I have to get out, but where I'm going, you can't follow. Oh. Before oh. he, I know. Before he could react, she got out of the car and ran, not to the row of houses, but to the to gates the, of the cemetery. Yep. Yep. She vanished before she reached them, right in front of his eyes. Jerry, at this point, just wanted Man, to find out. that's so heartbreaking. He's like, I, know. I really liked her. I really liked her. <laughs> she was so nice. Jerry, was... at this point, just wanted to find out what was going on, so he visited the address that the, the girl had give him, given him the following day. The woman who answered the door told him he couldn't possibly have been with her daughter the night before because her daughter had been dead for years. Wow. There it is, like the perfect little uh -huh. perfect However, beat. Jerry correctly identified the girl from a family portrait inside the home. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So this is the start, I think, because it's 1939. Yeah, this that's is the, the start, start of, of this the trope. specifics yes. of, of the Phantom Hitchhiker stories. And he never know changed now. his story. Wow. Right. Wow. Now, we talked about this a little bit beforehand, but fucking growing pains, growing up. I do. This blows my mind because I this, don't remember it. Yeah, I, I remember I it vividly. To be fair, I didn't, I didn't watch much and growing pains. And I got pains. so emotionally caught up into it because it's that same thing where he really liked her and she was so sweet. And the same thing, he, except in this one, he she's cold. It was so Kirk she, Cameron's was, character, right? Like yes, Mike, Kirk Cameron's. It was like Mike Seaver. Was that Mike his, Seaver, yeah. Was that his name? Yeah, let's yeah. just call him Mike Seaver so we don't have to call him Kirk Cameron. Um <laughs> And so he had given her his, like, letter jacket. And he goes, and then the mom's like, yeah, sure, you've been dead for years. And then he goes to the cemetery, and the letter jacket is on the tombstone. Yep. So uh, I remember being so, like, affected by that story. It's, he was, too. Emotional. It turned him Christian. Well, he was already, it turned him crazy. <laughs> turned, he was already Christian. He just went. But he just went full on. Like, yeah. he went, like, yeah. So that brings us to who this bitch might have been. Oh. Who broke this man's heart? Who broke Jerry's Who heart? Who broke it? So, Troy Taylor, again. Okay, yes, the writer. Uh, he brings up Mary Miskowski. Mary Miskowski. Little is known about her other than she was killed in October of 1930 by a hit-and-run driver. Mm. 
she was allegedly crossing the street while on her way to a Halloween costume party. Oh. It's really all he had ever found out. She's well known in the circles. Right. Of people trying to figure out who she is. Okay. There is another woman, I think, who shares her name or another person's name that she um, ran some other house and she was much older or younger than than Mary would have been mm-hmm. and yada, yada. It just so happens that they share a name. And I think this might be the same name, but whoever that is, they share a name with the person. Which just added to the confusion. Which adds to the confusion, me, right? yes. And if she was, tell me, please tell me that this this Mary was like dressed up as a ghost for the Halloween party. Like, she was like, oh, I hear there's reports ever since, like, 1929. People have been seeing this other, this Bergovia. She died in 1930. Yeah, so maybe she, oh, let's see, maybe she. Would you like to hear the rest of the I story? do. I'm just, okay. I'm just, I'm forming, I'm just workshopping this into a movie I as know. we speak. Such a good movie. A series, uh, a whole series. So Troy Taylor was contacted by a woman who claimed her mother knew Mary Miskowski. When he spoke with the woman's mother, Martha Littack, she told him she believes Resurrection Mary was, in fact, her babysitter. Oh. According to Martha, Mary lived down the street from her family when she was a child. Mary's house was at 4924th South Damon. <gasps> dun, dun, dun. Three blocks away from Mary Bragovi. Just a bad address, really. Right. Like everyone died. It's right. Like, da- it's, I mean, Damon's a really big street. It's like a main. Like everybody still, else. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of. I mean, just saying. And just, you're gonna. And yeah. Like, and can we talk for a moment? I just want to backtrack for just a moment. Like naming a street, whacker. <laughs> Little too on it's the nose. W a c k. Doesn't yeah. matter. All right. It's like whacker. It's, I think it's whacker. after like, somebody. It's, it, Walker. I don't know. It's <laughs> Walker. Um, but whacker it's like well and so it's like like naming your street collision boulevard that's true (laughs) at the at the intersection of collision and accident (laughs) um so that is interesting because a lot of a lot of the stories bring up damon i live on damon take me to damon this is where i live i live off damon both women lived off damon Mm -hmm. so there are multiple marys she did not know yeah Martha didn't know if Mikowski had a full-time job or not, but she did know that Mary babysat a lot of the kids in the area and still lived with her parents, even though she was old enough to be out of school. Late teens, early 20s. Martha remembered Mary very well, describing her as a very pretty girl with light blonde short hair with just a bit of curl to it. She reported that all of the boys in the neighborhood were in love with Mary. Martha didn't remember if Mary had a boyfriend in particular, but she did love to go dancing. She did go to the O'Henry, but her favorite place was the Liberty Grove and Hall, which was located about 12 blocks from her home. Mary Miskowski sounds exactly like the ghost Jerry Paulus saw the night that night in 1939, nine years after Mary had been killed. Martha had a brother, Frank, when she asked him if he remembered anything about their old babysitter. He told Martha a story he had never shared with her before. Oh, God. Oh, God. This is so good. This is so juicy. I know. He would have been 17 at the time, and he was driving his first car down Archer Avenue. As he was driving north, he saw a woman standing at the side of the road. He slowed down to take a look at her, and as he did, the woman turned in his direction. When he saw her face, he recognized her as Mary Miskowski, his babysitter, who had been dead for 10 years. (sighs) Oh, 
Oh my God, I just can't. <laughs> I know, he can't breathe. He's not breathing. He's yawning now because oh. he can't breathe. <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's just off oh, right to my head. Frank oh. slammed on his brakes, but by the time he'd stopped and turned around to look at her, she was gone. Vanished. Wow. He did not drive that stretch of Archer Road for years after the incident. Mm. According to newspapers, a car had struck Mary and killed her as she was cro- crossing 47th. The driver sped away and was never caught. It seems over time, the story of her being hit by a car moved nearer in proximity to the Willowbrook since it was so closely tied to the legend of Resurrection Mary. Right. Martha confirmed Mary had been on her way to a costume party that night. She had been dressed as a bride. (laughs) Oh, my God. Wearing her mother's old wedding dress. She doesn't know what Mary had been buried in, but she did say Mary was definitely buried in Resurrection Cemetery. Wow. Yeah. So there are three. Uh, there's at least two. At least two. Possibly three. But the, the child, if not the, more. the young one. Yeah. yeah, that's, man. Well, that, that, and that checks out because like the, the more. It's a huge cemetery. It's a huge cemetery, but it, it checks out in terms of like, culturally, like stories tend to like just you know, blend together so that you think you're telling one story, but you're actually telling four well, or five. And that's why it moves. But when you can trace these back to actual fucking people yeah, with real stories who match the descriptions. And, and, but when, but you know, generationally as from a certain remove, someone goes, Oh, well, yeah, it was, she, I, she was dancing at the Willowbrook and someone goes, no, 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 no. You're thinking of the girl that was, that was at Liberty exactly. Grove and they don't realize they're talking about two different people. And it's right. like, and it becomes, man, so it's resurrection. Story. Mary's. Mary's. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. So why does she keep coming back? Yeah. Well, in, until well, 2016. Well, she got competition. Right? I guess. <laughs> They're all trying to outmarry until, each other. Until 2016, the Willowbrook was still one of the only ballrooms that played big band music. Right, right. It was like a time capsule until it burned down in 2016. Man, they always burn down. But there, it, that's the second time it's burned down. So there are plans to rebuild it. I think they're doing a fundraiser. They may already have the money... I'm not sure. Look online. Um, donate if you want. And then we'll all go. No oh, one knows yes. if she is real or for sure who Mary was, if her spirit is genuine. I think there's enough evidence that directs us to certain people, especially when they were like, oh, my God, that's my friend. Oh, my God. Recognized my by people that yeah. knew her in life. Yes. Um, wow. But the mystery of the enigma of the beautiful vanishing hitchhiker still captures attention. I mean, obviously it does. Wow. After the flurry of the... Ref- let me start that over. <laughs> After a flurry of Moscow mules. After a flurry of syllables. Texas mules. <laughs> uh, what would a Chicago mule be? Um, a Bloody Mary. <laughs> I guess so. I guess so. After a flurry of reports in the 1940s, the sightings dwindled until the 1970s. It's thought that the renovations in the cemetery at the time are what brought about the activity. The reports of Resurrection Mary on Archer Avenue have dwindled again since the 1980s, 1990s a little bit. But one wonders when something else will happen to stir up the sightings. I like to think when the Willowbrook reopens, the spirit or spirits of Mary will be able to dance again. I wonder if they all know each other. Like I, really I want them. I want them to like well, hang the out. Thing. In the they were life. so close to each other. There's a chance they maybe did know each other. Yeah, but I mean, like in the afterlife, do they know each other? Being like, hey, Mary, 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 like, Mary, the Anna, three Mary. Marys. Yeah, but the, it's like the third the Mary is an Anna, but because yeah, right, their names right. were already established. And that was my big thing: is how did they get the name Mary? Is it just because Resurrection Cemetery, Mary, Mother God, blah blah blah? Maybe. But it was actually that. They already knew that a Mary had died and that people had seen, oh my gosh, that's my friend Mary. Yeah. 
since the 1930s and it just stayed. It just stayed. Wow. That is the story of Resurrection. Wow. What a, what a ride. I know. It's so good. <laughs> Such a good story. Oh my God. Thank you for that. See, so now I'm convinced that the Phantom Hitchhiker thing is, is real, but that like the Resurrection Mary story is just so good in all its details that every other state... <laughs> it's just like we need to get on. We need, to, we need to get on that. It's like yeah. they need their own like bargain but basement it's like, version. If she can do it, if she's can do it, Marys if can all do those, it. If all those Marys can do it, um, then there there's no reason to disbelieve that it happens elsewhere as well. Especially when cars, you know, they were killed in the 1930s. Cars were fresh. They're brand new. Yeah. So and very dangerous because very people didn't pedestrians. There weren't there weren't laws protecting pedestrians yeah. that there were now that there are now. Um, you know, in fact, at the time, the car industry was going out of its way to pass laws that were that disfavored pedestrians. Right. That's why jaywalking became a thing, incidentally, in, yeah. in the law, because it was it was a campaign started by the automobile industry to like make to like kind of uh, make pedestrians seem like idiots. So mm -hmm. that because people were like, well, we need to build sidewalks and cars need to like, you know, we need to roads need to be a little more restrictive. And automobile automakers didn't like that because, right. of course, that cut another bottom line. So they started this whole campaign against pedestrians. Which... And I just keep thinking about somebody who has a car in the early 1930s, mid-1930s. Right. And they have the sideboards, right? So that's what you would step on. Before yeah, the running boards. The running boards, right? The cars don't come with that much anymore. They don't. Trucks occasionally do. Because but... you don't want some bitch hopping on there that's a ghost to being like, let me <laughs> Actually, and, no, cars, Mary, and, and, no. and cars go a lot faster now than they did in the 30s. Yeah. And yeah. so you don't want to encourage people to run alongside that. Right. Yeah. But so why this, not? Why can't why can't the ghosts have like a certain trope? Like just because it's formulaic doesn't mean it's fictional. It's not real. Because I mean, I mean, the reason maybe the, the reason the story works so well culturally is because it does satisfy things that seem to be that patterns. seem to be real patterns. Yeah, in patterns real life, are know? real. Uh huh. That's science. That's just. <laughs> <laughs> That's a new shirt. That's science. That's just science. Um, the uh, only thing about this, because the story was so crazy, this is why I knew I couldn't do this along with the archer. No way. There's no way. I couldn't even do this story along with the rest of Resurrection Cemetery. And I want to hear more about Resurrection Cemetery, because I know so, there's so much more about it than Resurrection yeah, I, Mary. She's just like their kind of, she's like their flagship ghost. Right. So I'm going to sit on Resurrection ghost. Cemetery until next week and bring it back up you again. Do more? And do some more. Oh and my probably, God. Are we doing probably our first multiple episodes? I guess so. Episode? We're going into three. Pick something Chicago. Okay. Yeah. I can do that. Oh. I love it. This is I great. It. I hope everybody enjoyed it as much as we did. Oh. I have been dying to tell you the story. I'm so excited. I, and I was like, wow, I learned so much. Like, I, I just, oh my God. It's so good. Oh. We took a break. We took a break and went downstairs and Jack was there. And I was like, oh my gosh. Man, 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 man. I like filled him in the whole thing. And now at dinner, I'll be telling him the I whole thing. I am shooketh. I, I have been shooketh. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good I'm on like a high it could be the liquor but it also is the story finally telling it right. I mean it it's was so really good. deep yeah it was so uh, good this so. is the real reason to do the podcast because I just want to hear these stories that I know you we just to want to drink and tell ghost stories yeah and we might as well record it you know yeah. And I if hope you like you guys it so much, the better. Yeah. So the moral of the story, there, not that there needs to be a moral, but if there is one, if you care to find one, it's um, don't hitchhike, kids. It's very dangerous. Right. Well, that's the other um, thing that happened in the 70s, too. It became very clear, like, if you hitchhike. I remember growing up, don't hitchhike. You're going to get murdered because oh, yeah. that happens so often. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that, you know, watch and my favorite murder. And also don't pick up hitchhikers because you'll get like murdered that. by hitchhikers because that's yeah. when the whole urban legend about, like, the hook, the right. killer, you know, that uh, happened. Uh, I should research that and see if there's any, like, like er story that like really yeah, did we'll happen where someone like picked one. up like a, a convict that wound up killing them because it's bound to have happened at some point. Right. 
but it just grew into the story of like he had a hook for a hand and he like you know murdered them by plucking their eyeballs out it wasn't quite that gruesome but something's gruesome huh that seems gruesome yeah seems but that's true. what the story like the story is oh, like right. oh he like you know he shot them but then it like the, the retelling yeah. becomes like he was eight feet tall with a hook for he had a hook for his hands and his feet and and might as well have and he plucked out their eyeballs with that hook it's very good with that hook um, very detailed yeah, very, very detailed um but yeah so we'll, we'll have to do an urban legends yeah. urban myths one as well but next week more truth. Chicago I hope you guys more Chicago it. I'll find something yeah alright uh, oh my god on that note yeah thank you guys for listening Thanks. continue offering your submissions please tell us your stories the if you opener. have any phantom hits. did we ever did we say the opener the, who wrote the opener oh my gosh no we, we should no. say that um, who wrote the opener because totally, the opener was oh, really good aqua Aqua, okay. Thank you, Thank that you such Aqua, a good for story that too. badass opener. That and was so well open, written very, and real, really beautiful. Yeah, beautiful, very open with like where she was in that space. And yeah. Thank you for sharing that because that's, that's, that's a hard, that's a hard that, time of your life to talk about. So. Hope I did it justice. Oh, um, yeah. But yeah, keep sending your stories. Keep sending your, you know, any any of your stuff and listen it. to. Follow us on Twitter, on the Insta. The, Facebook.com. Just do your fucking shit. You know, do it. You know, you know, you know, you know. And if you don't, you can find out. Yeah. And uh, and remember, uh, it's, it's okay, okay to sleep, sleep with, with the, the lights, lights on. on. You might need.